There's a TikTok going around, which is a clip of David Foster and Catherine McPhee. They're at some sort of concert hall doing a singing event or whatever. And they show her at American Idol. And she kind of like makes a reference to her body at that time. She's like, I was a lot chubbier then, or I was I was chubby then. And David mm-hmm. Foster goes, you were fat. He literally <gasps> says, you were fat. Yes. <gasps> yes. Well, well, well. This is a long-awaited day, Chandler, this deep dive we're about to embark on together. Yes, Lauren. This is a long-awaited, highly contested, mm-hmm. demanded deep dive. And I think, actually, deep dive is the wrong classification. What mm. what you have joined me in today and what you are you know, going to witness is actually the trial of David Foster. <laughs> Except we didn't bring a jury. We just brought an executioner. There will be no two sides of this argument. I, yep, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I also I'm just going to start off this by saying that I attempted to rewatch the David Foster off the record documentary that we okay. watched years ago, and that's what really you know turned us on to how terrible he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. And, and I couldn't even get through it. I was just planning on having it in the background while I was working, and I could not listen to that man for one more minute, and I had to turn it off. So. I feel like just in our own defense, because this feels like such a, like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we doing a deep dive on David Foster? He's just a music producer. (laughs) I do feel like the culture has foisted David Foster and his personality and his personal life onto us, like in the form of him being on various reality shows, in the form of his documentary on Netflix. The Foster sisters. It's not like he's just behind the scenes with Celine Dion, you know? No, he's like, he steps out into the limelight and and exposes his personal life. And I feel like it's worth an examination of what Chandler we've been, what narratives we've been fed and what's really going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. And once again, another reason why this isn't a deep dive is because I actually don't care to take you through his professional accomplishments. I'll pass <laughs> a few notes on those, but this is actually just a deep dive on his crimes against women. And that's it. His accolades and you know the way he's produced so many amazing stars cannot absolve him of his crimes. One of my favorite things about David Foster is so I listened to World's First Podcast hosted by his daughters, Aaron and Sarah, who I really adore. And one of my favorite things that they've ever said is like, he just, it was so annoying to them and also to him that he so quickly became Yolanda Hadid's husband or mm-hmm. Yolanda Foster's husband or Yolanda Foster's ex-husband. Like he was a guy who's the husband of a real housewife right. that really became how he was known across America. And I just find that to be cosmic justice, you know? Oh, yes. I mean, by a show of hands class, who had heard of David Foster until Yolanda Hadid stepped out into the real housewife scene? Until that golden skin, platinum beauty came across our silver screens. Who mm-hmm. the fuck did? We didn't know who David Foster was. I mean, right. all we knew was we were trying to get like the mom driving us home from school to turn off Josh Groban. That's as close, we came, to, that's as close <laughs> as we came to David Foster. Or the, or the sister that you shared a Jack and Jill bathroom with who loved to sing along to Josh Groban. You love Josh Groban. Let's not, let's not pretend. <laughs> I Be honest. I shouldn't play it cool. You know, there was a time, Chandler, when Josh Groban gave me some stirrings, okay? You raised me up, I felt the spirit. Or was he your sexual awakening? Yeah. You know what? There was a time, Chandler, when I would think <laughs> there were stirrings. Have you ever been turned on by Josh Groban? Body, listening to Josh Groban is true. <laughs> yes. Literally, I think I only know knew about Josh Groban because you love Josh Groban. I think that's really sweet about you. I think, you know, always had a taste for really like no, annoying stuff like that. The thing is, is I think 12, 13, yes, I had a moment with Josh Groban, but then I quickly came to realize that Josh Groban was 
pop opera pop. Sure. You know, it wasn't it wasn't highbrow. Okay. This wasn't <laughs> we weren't listening to Aria. It was lowbrow, highbrow. It was yeah, exactly. It was low bar lowbrow, highbrow. I very quickly, you know, did away with the Josh Grobe and my personal spot my my personal Spotify catalog. Well, thank goodness, because yeah. you know, it's really proved to help you succeed and get to be the podcaster that you are today. <laughs> thank goodness you, you know, have only stuck to highbrow stuff since then. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, honestly. Thank you, Chandler, for pointing that out. It, you know, in my research and thinking about what I wanted to say today, I realized that if, you know, the stars ever align and, you know, our podcast ever gets up off the ground, we're never going to be able to go on the world's first podcast because we will have done a a trial and, you know, execution of no. their father. So the thing is, is, by the time, if that happens ever, by the time that happens and we do our big crossover, this episode will be deleted. Deleted. Any negative mention of David Foster will be deleted. Deleted. We will maybe do a David Foster appreciation episode. <laughs> Uh, we will be like, we love Catherine McPhee's music. We're obsessed with Catherine McPhee. <laughs> Let's walk everyone through the catalog, okay, from Andrea Bocelli to Celine we're, Dion. We're doing a deep dive of the American Idol season with Catherine McPhee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we just can't get enough. Anyway. And the crowning achievements of, you know, one of the greatest contributors to American music, David yes. Foster, who happens David to Foster. have married to Yolanda, Yolanda Foster. Before yeah. we have to put on that kind of bullshit show, we can tell the truth, Chandler, on this podcast. Yeah. At least being small means that we can be truth tellers. So exactly. let's get into it. I'm going to start with just a little quick bio about who David Foster is, you know, his mm. early life, but it's not not super critical. David Foster was born <laughs> in November in Canada. Did you know he was Canadian? I did know he was Canadian. I did not yeah. know that he was a fall baby. Beautiful. Fall, yeah. F- fall baby, Lauren. <laughs> He's won 16 Grammy Awards and had 47 nominations. That's quite a okay. lot. Yeah, you know, is, I can for sure. I can recognize that. But he then, you know, moved on to being a c- composer and producer, and he has nearly a hundred hit singles. Which wow. Also, I I can you know I can understand that I can recognize that. So he worked with the likes of Barbara Streisand, Earth mm-hmm. Wind and Fire, Alice Cooper, Rod Stewart, Donna Summer, Olivia Newton-John, mm-hmm. Celine Dion, wow. Andrea Bocelli. If you don't know who Andrea Bocelli is, he's the man who was able to sing at both of the Kardashian weddings. That's where he got Andrea his start. Bocelli. Yeah, just kidding. I was like, who is Andrea Bocelli? <laughs> Sorry, Andre- Andrea, Andrea, Andrea Bocelli. Andre, uh, Andrea Bocelli. Anyway, he's not singing at my wedding. I don't give a fuck how his name is pronounced. <laughs> Josh Groban, like we, mm. uh, you know, waxed on about earlier. Tony Braxton, Madonna, Jennifer Lopez, Mary J. Blige, Christina Aguilera, Kenny Rogers, Kenny Loggins, Kenny G, and Michael mm. Blue Blay, um, who Lauren <sighs> likes to listen to while she's, you know, having romantic uh, encounters with her husband. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> buble, we, we pour some bubbly, we put on that buble, and Kagan knows what time it is. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Can, are you have a live cam into my bedroom? I, wow. I do, actually. I've got a ring camera positioned there. Another big fact about him, and I think this is worth noting because okay. we are truth tellers, his estimated mm-hmm. worth is $150 million. I can see why the panties started dropping, for sure. <laughs> Okay, Proceed. Lauren. So he has been married five times okay. and is truly at the head of a crazy Hollywood family tree. Like mm. he is connected to through his different marriages and through the children of those marriages and who they've married and blah, blah, blah. He is in a massive family Hollywood family tree. Um, and it's pretty fascinating. And we'll we'll probably post a, an image of this with like our teaser video or whatever. But so he's a because it's baby. worth noting. 
Or is he no, the father not, of the family tree? He, uh, he is like this. He has spawned a lineage of Nepo babies. Oh, that's say. right. Because I don't think he came from, uh, you know, I think he came from humble backgrounds. No. In yeah, Canada. humble. And the other interesting thing is that David has all sisters, which I think was another sort of head scratcher because I think one would think that if you, you know, have all sisters and that, you know, you potentially grow up around women, hopefully know how to treat you might women respect well. them. You might respect them. <laughs> one might think. Let's start by just talking about his children. So he has he has six children, all right? Okay. Allison Jones, who he had when he was in his 20s, she was placed for adoption. Amy Foster, who is from his first marriage to BJ Cook, which we'll get into. Amy is a successful songwriter. She wrote um, Haven't Met You Yet and Home by Michael Buble, as well as songs for Destiny's Child, Josh Groban, and Andrea Bocelli. Andrea Bocelli. Impressive. Love it. Thank you. I said it right. Okay. And then yeah, he has job. Sarah, who, who we know, who oh, yes. um, who's the daughter of Rebecca Dyer, uh, wife number two, Aaron as well. Rebecca Dyer is her mom, and Jordan, who's also the... Jordy Foss. Yeah. And then there's Ren, whose mom is Catherine McPhee. Okay. Okay. So those those are are his biological. Those are his biological children. Yes. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Okay. So, and the stepchildren are Mm -hmm. Brandon and Brody Jenner from when he was married to Linda Thompson. And also the Hadid children, uh, Gigi, Bella, Mm -hmm. and Anwar when he was married to Yolanda. And the supermodel Anwar Hadid. Are we calling him a supermodel? That was the joke. I was like, let's let me do the truth telling, okay? Remember how Yolanda was uh, trying to say that like Anwar was a a major supermodel or just kind of was like also trying to get his his modeling career off the ground? Look, that man has got enough going on with his anti-vax bullshit. It's a valiant effort by, you know, I'm just, that was seeing the best in her son. Anyway, please continue. Okay, so let's continue. So... I think we should mention that David is very open about the the failings of his marriages. And he he has described himself as a quote unquote runner in the oh, documentary. Really? Yeah. He's admitted that he's out the door as soon as problems arise in his relationships. He said, quote, it's more like, hey, there's a shiny thing over there. This is not working. So it looks a lot better to me over there. End quote. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean Yes. It sounds like this guy just likes to have weddings and likes romance. <laughs> He's obsessed he with planning actually, weddings. <laughs> he actually has zero interest sticking with someone during the hard times. I mean, that's saying He's, that when things get tough, you're gone. That's insane. And, that's an insane thing to say. That's like the opposite of marriage. Well, and I think what is gross about that admission, it's like maybe you could disguise it as, oh, he's self-aware. He gets it. He knows he has problems. But I think when you see that someone is now in their 70s and this is just like who they're, he seems to be at peace with the fact that he's a runner, I suppose. And when asked about his marriage to Catherine McPhee and if he was tired of running, he said, I'm not tired of running. No, no, but I'm very happy where I am. Yeah. I think Catherine McPhee is kind of like the Robin to Cody. Yes. Okay. Yes. Who kind of came at the tail end and who does everything in her power to make his life perfect. Mm -hmm. And as long as she doesn't like fall ill and no calamity, you know, no calamity befalls them, then I think that they'll proceed. Catherine McPhee needs to be dousing herself in bug spray every single day because I swear to God, if a tick lands on her and gives her Lyme disease, this marriage it's is gone. Left. It's over. It's over. Yeah, it's exactly. literally over. 
what I think, though, this is, yeah, this actually should be a public warning to her. Please be dousing yourself in off or whatever bug spray. We should Amazon they should, some. They should do a sponsorship for her. She should be, like, <laughs> they should be a sponsored for bug spray. <laughs> she really is. Like, my financial future depends on me using this bug spray and not getting Lyme disease, everyone. And so far, it's worked. I'm in brilliant health. I can still dress up and go to all the parties and events. I'm not having to go to doctor's appointments. I still can go on all the vacations as a smiling trophy wife. You guys, DEET has really worked for me. So please use my code 10% off. Catherine McHugh really should be this spokesperson. Literally, what are like there's a brand sponsorship that's so perfect. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? <laughs> you know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned, cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early Bird CBD Gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, <laughs> these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com. POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor. Try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. I mean, you, sorry, I know I'm interrupting a yeah. lot, but don't you remember that from Yolanda's memoir that she was saying like, oh, yes. the second she couldn't be the tro the smiling trophy wife at mm -hmm. all the events. His wingman. Like, he basically just left her in the dust. So well, we will get to that because I mean, her okay. book, believe me, I, I just remember <sighs> reading it on a plane being torn to pieces by her story and, and mostly by David Foster's treatment of her. I think if people have thought they felt the spirit reading the Book of Mormon, they should really try reading, believe me. Yeah. Because or if you think Josh Groban has done it for you. Yeah. Believe me. I mean, read, believe me. The mm -hmm. lessons this woman has to impart, gorgeous. Gorgeous. What I want to say, though, is to just double click on what you just said about, you know, what Yolanda wrote about in her book. I think it is less that he is a runner. I think it is more that the minute that he is no longer treated like a king mm -hmm. and like you're saying, the minute that he is no longer like the home situation is not perfect and he is not the, the king of the house who is just mm -hmm. catered to by his wife. It's no longer working for him. He does not view <laughs> monogamy as like as thick and thin good times mm -hmm. and bad times, richer or poorer. Right. It is right. how if, if I'm not King David, 
mm-hmm. you know, being served lemon chicken, then this is no longer working for me. Well, there's that famous scene in Beverly Hills where Yolanda's like, David is a king in my house. You know, yes. I, and she, they show her making dinner and she makes mm-hmm. almost, I think like two of things in case one thing doesn't go well. Right. Like everything mm-hmm. has to be perfect for David. Well, she, and she's in lingerie cooking. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. A lot of other women corroborate this tale. So let's get into Mm. it. Okay, please. So his first marriage, marriage number one, was to musician BJ Cook. She was his bandmate in Skylark, your favorite band. And (laughs) both David and BJ had already had one daughter each. If you'll remember, he had Allison Foster um, from a previous relationship. And together they had Amy. And Amy is the one who has written those Michael Bublé songs. They were together for a long time until he split with her. And there does seem to be some overlap with his relationship with Rebecca Dyer, who is the mother of Sarah, Jordan, and Aaron. For example, Sarah was born in 1981, and they didn't officially s- split up him and BJ until 1981. Some overlap. Oh, wow. To create okay. a baby. That's, that, that's a little bit of a conflict. So Rebecca was potentially the other woman for his first marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or definitely yeah. was. Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, I haven't heard the girls talk about that on the pod, and I I hear a lot about Rebecca, and Rebecca just seems fantastic. She seems fantastic. Um, Yeah. One thing that I love about Rebecca, she talks a lot about how plant medicine has, like, completely changed her life. Really? And Sarah Sarah Foster is, like, very anti doing any sort of drugs, is, like, so barely drinks, is very straight-laced. So she just kind of said that like growing up around all these like rich kids who were yeah. doing all these doing stuff, it was just so unattractive to her and she didn't want to be like that. And so she never she barely drank ever. Anyway, didn't party. So she said it was like so jarring and alarming to her when her mom was suddenly like in her 60s going to these like people's homes and like doing <laughs> plant medicine. She's like, you're going to people's houses and doing drugs. But what's interesting about it is she talks about how her mom, before her experience with plant medicine or her experiences was really like, there was a lot of negativity surrounding David, mm-hmm. like a ton. Mm-hmm. And it just created so much ire within their family. Right. 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 And uncomfortability. And she said, you know, she didn't want to be around them, all that stuff, a lot of a lot of negativity. Rebecca didn't want to be around Kat and David. And then I guess post-plant medicine, Rebecca is like so enlightened. She said that it was almost like jarring for everyone else how relaxed and cool with everything yeah. and like healed she had become. Right. Where like she describes one thing where I guess David and Kat showed up on Rebecca's doorstep and Rebecca had like hair was in rollers and she was like oh come in like sorry i'm you know still getting ready just like so comfortable in her own skin so accepting so anyway kind of a cool endorsement of the power of plant medicine everyone and you know what david foster should also be schlepping the power of plant medicine because it you know it's able to heal his ex-wives from the pain that he's caused them david foster another sponsor ceremonies yes absolutely and i think we should get into why she needed so much healing lauren all right (laughs) (laughs) so rebecca and david had three daughters aaron sarah jordan david was absolutely terrible and awful we don't have very many details but he left rebecca for another woman when they had three very young daughters when all the the children were very young basically it says that you know he was only with rebecca from 1982 to 1986 but then him and linda weren't married until 1991 so there was must have been some time I feel like I just hear the way they refer to Linda as like my dad had an affair and then he mm-hmm. ended up moving in with the other woman. Right, right. And like then yeah. she had sons. Then, so I feel right. like I that was okay. 
the next person. Like he is definitely a serial monogamist. Right. It sounds like. Jordan, baby Jordan was only seven months old when he left. What the and actual the other girls F. were like three and four. So so this is Sarah Foster speaking. And she, so I'm going to read this to you. On the podcast, Sibling Revelry, where it's with Kate Hudson and her brother, Oliver, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Sarah went on and she talked about struggling following her parents' divorce, especially seeing David dote on stepsons Brandon and Brody Jenner after he married Linda Thompson, mm-hmm. who then became his third wife. She said, our dad was raising other children. He wasn't raising us. He was raising Brandon and Brody. I was like dealing with my whole emotional turmoil, which was watching my father raise other children that was the thing that kept me up at night it's hard as a kid looking at your step siblings and asking why they each have three cars when we didn't by the way it's a lot worse leaving a woman with a five-year-old a three-year-old and an eight-month-old than leaving a woman with lyme disease (laughs) well first of all they fucking hate yolanda yeah so they really don't like yolanda they obviously don't get into it but a lot is left unsaid and you can read between the lines and it's it's true i mean that's absolutely true like leaving three young children it's horrific it's horrible it's inexcusable it's egregious it's obviously so terrible because you're not just impacting one person's life, but four people's lives. You're the mother Forever. and then her three children or your three mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And also you can really hear the impact that this has had on these girls when you listen to their podcasts. Like yeah. they are have a lot of trauma from that experience. Yes. I mean, that's the whole reason Sarah never got married is because she says like, for me, if I never got married, I, I would never get divorced. Like, and mm-hmm. to her you know, being the child of, of divorce, a traumatic divorce, not a yeah. a Gwyneth divorce was, was really, really traumatic. Well, and it sounds like she kind of alludes to the different treatment, potentially financially, maybe reading between the lines, they struggled financially a little bit more or didn't have what their step siblings had who weren't even his like biological kids. Like that would be really aggravating. Yeah. And I think that it, it it's so interesting because the way they talk about it, Rebecca was like more of a single mom than having any sort of active co-parent. And yeah, there Mm -hmm. was a huge financial disparity. We're going to keep going, returning to some of Aaron's thoughts and their kids. But let's talk a little bit about Linda Thompson. You know, she had a a crazy life, has Mm -hmm. had, and she's still with us. Like she was with Elvis, (laughs) if you'll remember. So David was the stepfather to Brandon and Brody Jenner. Their father is obviously Caitlyn Jenner. And David raised Brandon and Brody since... Caitlin Bruce was already with Chris Jenner and, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't really present, was fully immersed in, you know, being a stepdad and the Kardashians' well, father, the Kardashian I've, lives, and was having his own kids with Chris. If memory serves, there was a period where Caitlin Jenner left Linda in order mm-hmm. to transition, right? Right. And yes. I don't know if that was if the children, I think the children were born and they were young and that's mm-hmm. when Caitlin left. And then obviously, um, Caitlin decided not to transition and then yeah. ended up marrying Chris later. Right. Right. Um, I forgot about that. So yeah, that was kind of what was going on behind the scenes. I didn't know this, but you know, Brandon Jenner really considers David Foster, his dad or his father. Oh really? Okay. Um, he says, David Foster, quote, was really my father. He's the man who slept in the master bedroom during our childhoods. He was there for most everything. Although Bruce, now Caitlin, was the one who taught me how to ride a bike. I think it's definitely kind of a jab. It's just interesting to consider like what would it, what it would have been like to be Aaron and Sarah and and Jordan and to have their dad literally just like being the dad to other kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it would have been awful. To them. That's awful. So traumatic. And then and also consider like <laughs> for the Jenner kids, their dad, I, I, it's like at least they had a father figure mm-hmm. because their, you know, their father was 
had kind of abandoned them for a while. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I think that would be so emotionally scarring, especially to be in a Hollywood situation where everyone's really wealthy, where you mm-hmm. are, you know, your dad is famous. You know, well, he's I not mean, just like some deadbeat who's actually who's choosing this other family. Right. Like way more traumatic for Aaron and Sarah and Jordan as compared right. to Brandon and Brody, who they had a father figure. They were in the, you know, they had all the wealth. They had all the resources. But then, you know, they had their own trauma, which was seeing Bruce go mm-hmm. and have a family. And now Kate right. and have a family with Chris. And there was a lot of abandonment issues from those kids towards yes. Caitlin. So a trail of tears by these men. A trail or, literally men like and women. Mostly men. So in 2016, Linda Thompson released a memoir called A Thing Called Life. In her book, she (laughs) revealed that David Foster was very jealous of her exes and he expected, you know, his wife to cater to him. And this is where I really got the impression that he, you know, he really is a king and he needs to be treated like one. She writes, quote, at times he had an expectation that I was there to serve and take care of him, to make beds and do housework. He truly, he he really and truly wanted to be treated like a king, not like a husband or father, which speaks volumes about what he was like to live with as lovable as he could be. You're not saying to David Foster, hey, can you do bedtime tonight? I'm pretty tired. Right, exactly. This is you not know, a partner. This not is not partner. someone who's in life with you. This is someone. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of really wealthy guys, that's the deal. If you decide to sign up for a life with them um, and they've already built everything and they don't see you as a true partner, they really see you as like You're their like romantic their life partner, work. but also like they're like low-key made. Like they're yes. your house there manager of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. House manager yeah. slash sex partner. Right. Right. Which honestly, uh, it's not a terrible deal. Okay. Linda looked like she was having a, a pretty pretty decent life if you watched uh, Princess of yeah. Malibu. You know, if you know that that's the deal and that doesn't bother you, who am I to totally. say? Whatever. But you know, Lauren, David Why? would get really upset when Elvis was brought up. So she said that she saw Foster's insane jealousy of the memory of Elvis and who Elvis was. But David clapped back and he said in Vanity Fair, it wasn't jealousy. I just got tired of having a TV crew in our house every year on the anniversary of his death and hearing my wife declare him the love of her life. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of funny. Oh, my God. Wait, that's actually hilarious. Right? Drop. And to be honest with you, I really feel like this is the one time on this episode that I'm going to be team David because I feel like if you hear Linda Thompson talk and if you, if you, I didn't read her memoir, but I feel like I got the gist of it by reading all the magazine articles. It was all about Elvis. Like her life is about having dated Elvis. That's her claim to fame. David Foster is a footnote. The father of her children is a footnote. Caitlyn Jenner is a footnote. It's all about, you know, the nine month relationship she had with with Elvis or however long it was. So just to quickly follow up with a few more details about Aaron and Sarah, Sarah says that her dad really instilled the importance of hard work into her, you know, thanks to his adage, I'm rich, you're poor. Aaron says she obviously felt a lot of conflict towards David, but not as much towards her step siblings, I guess. Mm -hmm. She said, mine was less resentment towards them. It was more like we're misunderstood out in the world because we have this fake spoiled lifestyle, but we're not even really allowed to be a part of it. So we get all the backlash for it, but we don't actually get the benefits. And I think when you're 15, you don't 
have the maturity to understand that them having a spoiled lifestyle is not going to serve them well. You're just like, why do they have all these things and I don't and my dad's the one giving it to them? I think that like listening to them talk, it's so interesting because they clearly have had like they don't seem like people who just have had everything handed to them. And I think that there is – There is something like really cool about how accomplished they are, how much they've done. And I think that it kind of speaks to the fact that they, yeah, they just, they didn't have, it sounds like, a credit card that could just charge everything right. to. I think this is a, a Hollywood experience that you and I are really fascinated by. I, you know, if you remember our, our conversation about like Austin Swift, mm. it's the people, and maybe that's not a perfect comparison, but I think we're really captivated by the the life and the logistics of people who are fully in the Hollywood or like the A-lister sphere, but mm-hmm. maybe don't have all of the perks of it. Right, you know, right. like don't Absolutely. have actually like carte blanche, like money or whatever mm-hmm. and, and privilege and access to things. But mm-hmm. at the same time are running with that crowd. Yeah. The Rob Kardashians of the world, the Austin Swifts, mm-hmm. the parents of. Right. I'm so, so fascinated by how the money trickles across and up and down from the mega stars. And it sounds like it didn't trickle that much toward Aaron and Sarah. And also another fascinating thing about hearing them talk, it's like, it's clear that they were raised in this environment. So in the same way that they were, you know, Brandon and Brody, they're they're like step brothers, had -hmm. this crazy lavish life. Like they clearly have so many friends who have crazy wealth. In comparison to them, it's kind of, I don't know, the way they talk, it's like, they're clearly very well off wealthy women. But in their heads, given their friends, mm-hmm. they don't talk like they are. It doesn't sound like they regard themselves that way at all, which is just another interesting which thing. I think is another reason why we love them is because they have a real strong like thread of relatability, despite being also like part of the Hollywood elites. I mean, as well, I don't know if anyone has watched Almost Famous, but their show, you know, like that yeah. show is actually like the, you know, that's the whole kind of like shtick of it. Okay, let's get into though Yolanda Hadid. And okay. He marries Yolanda Hadid in 2011, and this, you know, is his maybe his most high-profile marriage. He became stepfather to Gigi, Bella, and Anwar. Their lives were thrust into the spotlight when she joined Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you know, a year after they got married in 2012. And he really despised being on the reality TV series. And he said, you know, quote, the Beverly Hills Housewives was just kind of a nightmare for me and something that I really wish I hadn't been a part of. Uh, which I think goes back to your point about how he became known as Yolanda Hadid's husband. husband. Okay, so while married, Yolanda gets diagnosed with Lyme disease, and this really becomes a huge strain on their marriage. This becomes a huge plot line in Beverly Hills. And I think we sh- I'm going to play a few audio clips of Yolanda talking about it and David talking about it. And this first one is when he was kind of caught on camera doubting like kind of his relationship and talking about how bad it was. Any Beverly Hills people, you'll remember that Yolanda has like this rooftop party or something and everyone like, you know, the housewives are there to support her. But basically okay. yeah, him and his friend sit down and his friend said, how have you been? The friend says, I just wanted to get back to the way they were when you first got together. And David goes, how's that going to happen? Yeah. And his yeah. friend says, it's it's going to happen. And he just kind of like doesn't know. I think it's obviously kind of a hot mic moment. That's, you know, it's not like he says anything crazy negative, but it's just, yeah. It's a real snapshot into how he was feeling and how he just like kind of had given up, you mm-hmm. know, by that point. People are fallible, but I, I will say there's something about his response that's all about like, it sounds like it's kind of him lamenting the good times being mm-hmm. over instead of it like she's really sick or like she's, well, you know, we're just really hoping she can get better. It's like, oh, this is all about how this 
illness has like impacted our fun and like our lifestyle. It sounds like that's the tone. A hundred percent. And that is what I think we see through, you know, how she talks about him in her book and what the next clip I'm going to play for you. It is all about how this is actually making David's life worse. It's not Mm -hmm. about Yolanda being really sick. You know, it's worth noting that I don't think that any of the foster sisters believe that she had Lyme disease. Oh, I don't really? think that they, yeah. I think it's, that it's a little telling with Sarah's quote about it. it's a lot worse to leave, you know, a woman with three kids than a woman mm-hmm. with Lyme disease. Yeah, I don't think they believe her. Let me play this. You know, David has lost his wingman. He married a woman that was a social butterfly, always out and doing and doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, I got sick and you know, the shell of the woman I used to be. So, yes, he gets impatient. Anyway. It's so interesting that they don't think it's real. I don't know. Yeah. I'm dying. I'm dying. I mean, and I guess that might be some uncon- unconfirmed. Like, I'm sure they've never said on their podcast, this, you know, this yeah. is the episode where we don't no, believe don't that Yolanda has Lyme disease. But, yeah, yeah, I don't think they, they just like her. The only things that I've heard that allude to Yolanda are – Basically, them saying that he's had wives that are much more age appropriate for him that have treated them a lot worse. Mm -hmm. And so they're not like they like Catherine because at least she's nice to them, essentially. Right. Interesting. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my Mm. Clean Simple Eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansimpleeats.com and use the promo code pop apologist for 10 percent off that's pop apologist for 10 percent off cleansimpleeats.com pop apologist for 10 percent off This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. A little bit more on the family not believing that Yolanda has Lyme disease. The public thinks that they got divorced, you know, you and me, because he didn't want to deal with her illness. David always says, you know, he says, we did not get a divorce because of her illness. It's because of another reason that I will never share. Mm -hmm. Which makes me think, I was just ruminating on this and like, is that reason that he doesn't even believe her in the first place? That she was sick? So of course it's not. It doesn't have to do with her illness. It was another reason entirely different, which is that she was faking her Lyme disease. Yes, yes, that there was no illness. This is a tweet that I think is is pretty funny. Not funny, actually. This is a tweet that's pretty dark. I can't stop thinking about how the divorce rate for men leaving their really sick wives is so high that nurses are taught to warn women patients when they get diagnosed with a serious illness. Yeah, gruesome. So I think this Reddit comment is pretty astute. It says, David likes young, flawless women. Side note, in her book, she talks about how, quote, David liked her really skinny. So, sorry, back to this quote. 
While Yolanda wasn't young, she was dropped dead gorgeous, fit, and catered to his every need. Then she got sick. He completely checked out and didn't want to deal with it. She took out her implants. She was very evidently sickly. He left her. Now he's with Catherine McPhee, who's like 30 years younger than him. David was always going to David. He, Her getting sick just sped up the inevitable. Yeah, it's so true. It's honestly yeah. so true. There's a TikTok going around, which is a clip of David Foster and Catherine, Catherine McPhee. They're doing some sort of like, they're at some sort of concert hall doing a singing event or whatever. And this is recent. And they show her at American Idol doing something. And she like kind of like makes an, an, a reference to her body at that time. She's like, I was a lot... I was a lot chubbier then, or I was I was chubby then. And David mm-hmm. Foster goes, you were fat. We met 17, almost 18 years ago, when I was a, a little chubby and tearful contestant on American Idol. Look at me smiling. Oh, yeah. So you, you were You were fat. I was a little chubby, okay? Yeah, true. I was just young. He literally <gasps> says, you were fat. Yes. <gasps> yes. I'm going to throw up. I think it really just goes to show the way he views women yes, um, and the way he thinks it's okay to talk about women. Because if he can say that in front of a crowd about his wife, like what does he feel like it's appropriate to say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, that is, that's vile. Let's get into his relationship with Catherine McPhee because she was giving an interview talking about how they met and, you know, eventually got together. And I think there's some like fascinating tidbits in there. He basically the long the long story short of it is that he kind of always told her that he was into her. Like oh, they interesting. They and I guess you know. Do, do you want me to play the audio? Do or yeah, do you want me to just audio. tell it to you? Okay. So just a little like blurb. Catherine and David met in 2006 when she was 22 and he was 57. He was literally born the same year as her father. But they didn't get married until 2019. So it's not like they met and then they got together immediately after that. It was actually actually kind of a slow burn. <laughs> um, how did you guys meet? And how did you like, I love people's love stories. Like how did yeah. you know that each he other was, was the one? The one? Um, but I met him when I was a contestant on American Idol. Oh, you did? I, I did. I was that. Yeah. Yeah, he, that season, I mean, that, I mean, if you remember how massive American Idol was at that point, it was just like, it, it was, I mean, they gave us our own security. Pause really quick. You're seeing footage of her in this video and she is totally normal. Yeah. yeah. Her body no, is totally normal. I think totally that's what normal. people were so enraged about too, is right. she looked totally normal. Our own security guards to go to the malls to shop. It, like, right. we, like every week we would go and it was so unnecessary, but that's mm-hmm. how important they thought like that the mm-hmm, show yeah. was and like you know if steven spielberg is watching american idol every week it was pretty mm-hmm. important at that time <laughs> it was pretty major so um they had i say that because they had amazing guests every week like we had stevie wonder mm-hmm. and rod stewart and, and andrea bocelli and david foster and i remember calling my mom and saying you're never going to believe who's the guest mentors this week and you know my mom was a huge andrea bocelli fan and so mm-hmm. i grew up like listening to all his music and and then I said, the producer, David Foster. And I was like, I don't know who he is. And she's like, Catherine? <laughs> David Foster? David you know? freaking Foster. <laughs> like, Foster? You know who David Foster is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay. So I grew up idolizing Celine. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the many people that he, like, she was already, he'll, he'll credit and credit her because he's always good at giving credit where credit's due. But he'll... He'll say that Celine was already famous in Canada, but he brought her, he brought her down to America and made her first album with her. And um, so I was obsessed with Celine, obsessed with Mariah, not Mariah Carey, well, her too, but he didn't produce her. Um, 
and uh, the Whitney Houston bodyguard soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did like everything that I loved. So anyway, that was when I first met him. But of course, it wasn't like, I mean, I was very young mm-hmm. and we have a huge age difference. And so I was certainly not, uh, all I was thinking about was the competition and mm-hmm. um, Andre Bocelli and getting through that week. But it was really cool because when I came off the show, I came in second, I didn't win, but I got signed to RCA and they had me, the, the big song that I sang on Idol was Somewhere Over the Rainbow that Simon picked for me. He had like said, this is, you know, this is a song that Kat's going to sing. You know? And uh, so RCA had hired David. So I remember like getting in my little, cause I grew up here in LA. So I had my car here and my mom came to the studio and he lived in Malibu at the time, this beautiful, um, property. It was mostly like the house itself. He'll say like, wasn't even that great, but he had this amazing studio with this huge lawn. So it's just like straight out of a movie where I pull up in my little like Honda civic car. <laughs> so cheeky, my first little car that I ever had <laughs> into this like big, beautiful mansion. And, um, had a great session that day and recorded the vocals with him. And I just remember being really, um, you know, I realized obviously at that point how iconic of a producer he was, right. Right. And all the amazing accomplishments he had and being there with my mom and doesn't just talking about music and stuff. So it was a really special day. And then he started taking me on the road, like to do a bunch of, he's, I mean, everyone would tell you that he never says no to a charity event, Mm -hmm. right. He's like always, um, doing the musical entertainment for a charity event. So, but then he always needs singers to sing. So I started becoming one of many singers that he would take on the road with him. Um, so none of that had any romantic notions whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, although he did like, you know, he did make it known that I was marrying the wrong person. Um, oh. I did get married. <laughs> I got married. Uh, I was almost 24. So I was 23. And so I'd already known him for a couple of years now. I'd been done a bunch of gigs with him and he came to the wedding and played the piano when I sang oh my for my then husband. Um, we'll pause right there and we can keep listening. But isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That he it, played I the know piano at her wedding. At her wedding. <laughs> yes. I also want to know what he told her. She was marrying the wrong person. Yes. Probably yes. when he's with Linda Thompson at this time. No, literally. Or maybe that's like, like I mean, this was Yolanda. Linda adjacent? Thompson I don't and remember. him, I think we're, we're divorced at this time. But yeah, pre-Yolanda. Okay. Yeah. So um, like, we'll keep listening. And uh, that, that situation didn't work out, but it was, you know, it was, I learned a lot, mm-hmm. but he was just kind of always this person that I really felt honored to know. And to just, I knew I didn't never had any intentions of him producing an album for me or whatever. I, I, mm-hmm. and I could music is like a whole other subject I could go into. I kind of uh, always just, in the back of my mind, realized I would probably be more of an actor than I would be like a recording artist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we stayed friends and did a lot of gigs together and got to know each other in a lot of different circumstances. But it wasn't until after I moved back from LA I went to New York, from New York, I did Smash for two years, did a TV series on Scorpion, uh, CBS Scorpion for four years. And then it wasn't until like the last two years of Scorpion that we ran into each other in Palm Springs. And uh, I was much more mature. I was 32 <laughs> years old and uh, we had a lot of red wine. <laughs> That's how it always starts. Yes, yep, That's how yep, my that. babies were made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, he, he invited me and my sister who I took her to Palm Springs for a girl weekend mm-hmm. to a tennis match. Cause I saw that he was in, te- uh, in Palm Springs on his daughter's Instagram ad you. Um, um, and he said, come to the tennis match. And I was like, okay. And we went and 
my sister went back to the, her, our hotel and he's like, come stay and party with a bunch of friends. There was like tons of people and we just mm. kept drinking wine and it was just a very different night than all the previous years. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it is the right person, but it, the time has to be right too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The time has to be yeah. right. Well, and I'm so, I mean, I've always was crazy about him and uh-huh. not in the same way, obviously that I am that I could realize that I could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now of course I'm always like, I wish I'd been with you like this whole time, whatever, oh. but I would have never worked out. Cause I would have probably been insane and crazy and like, right. you know, had to go through the young 20 something years. Right. That I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true. It's like amazing that we've known each other as long as we've have. And <sighs> I'm out of breath. Cause I'm, let me just say that when you know, you know, but mm-hmm. it did take me because I knew him for so long and I, I loved him and I liked him. And, but I was really freaked out about like the age difference. I was just like, yeah, I mean, I, I was, yeah. it was, it was just not even like that. I was freaked out. It was just like, oh, this is just a fun thing. Like we've mm-hmm. always loved each other, but he, he always kind of, um, not it's inappropriately, <laughs> not, 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 <laughs> not like when he was in other relationships, but when he wasn't, he always kind of made it known that he, had a feelings for me or whatever, yeah. but I was always like, you're insane. Like, are you're too old for me. And, um, and it's just like, you know, now when we're together, it's it just as right. And it's yeah. some people are never going to get it and we don't care. We're fine about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, he's the best thing that ever happened to me, but he was always the best thing that ever happened to me. Like even when he was just a mentor or someone who gave me privileges of performing and giving me experience or giving me a job. Right. Like mm-hmm. it was, he was always special to me. So, um, just the fact that we are sharing this life together, it's like, I'll still, we'll still be driving the car and I'll like turn to him. And cause I'm like super romantic. I like, <laughs> and I'll just be like, I can't believe we're together. I can't believe I'm with David Foster. And he just laughs and, you know, like, I can't believe we're having a baby. You know, it's just like, cause I still can't believe it. It's so cool. I think it's, mm-hmm. some, it's the coolest thing. It's like the greatest honor of my life. Anyway, thank you for sitting. Wow. Back, I think it's, it sheds a lot of light. Mm-hmm. I think like, the fact that he always made it known, you know, mm-hmm. that he was into her and wanted her. I don't know. I uh, There's a part of me that, of course, wants to just be like, these are consenting adults. Let people be happy. They have a kid together. But there's also part of me that's just like, what? I mean, yeah. all of the, like, here's the thing. These are consenting adults. People are allowed to do whatever they want. He grosses me out. The fact that he kind of always was into her and made it known to her. Like it's literally yeah. like you're someone who's your dad's age, who's like your mentor, who you mm-hmm. go on the ro- road with, who you like perform with, you know, who you kind of have this it's working like relationship creepy, with, like, who's boss. also been, yes, who has made it known to you that he's into you. And then like you in see him in power, you run into him in Palm Springs. And then you he finally is like, he finally gets you and he's like, come party with us, blah, blah, blah. And then one thing leads to another, which I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at this at through a really cynical like lens, but it's gross to me. No, it's gross to me too. And I think that's part of the deal, right? Like that's part right. of the deal of marrying and- someone in their 70s when you're in your early 30s. Like this is, it's not just for him. It's for like every, the lifestyle he has to offer and all of mm-hmm. his accolades and all of that. And the kind of friend group that she runs in yes. and all the stuff yes. she does now. And yeah, it's just, it's definitely interesting to hear her take. Yeah, I think it was it was fascinating to hear that he'd always been into her. Also, yeah, it's just I think it is just like the David show. 
and you're mm-hmm. you sign up for that because you want to be a part of it and you want mm-hmm. to be on the david show and mm-hmm. that's not a, a relationship that i would be interested in like it's mm-hmm. the chandler show with mm-hmm. me that's not for me but i maybe that is for some people i guess yeah it'll be interesting to see how this how this one continues for sure yeah Chrissy also put in here the infamous post where he snapped a picture of her in a bikini and was like, what baby oh that I remember you and I oh. died over. So yeah, he's, uh, he, he, you know, know, he likes him for, thin for herself. Yeah, he does yeah. like him thin. No, I mean, it, another thing that like, I just would ask my sister if you were wanting to get with someone like that is I would just be like, but don't you like look at his past? Like, mm-hmm. do you really want this guy who like right. very clearly Seems to be like not a great husband, not faithful. Right. Maybe there's a dark part that's like, well, he's probably not going to do that again. You know, he's so much older now. Of course. You I know, think th- I think they always think that they're the, you know, that they're the ones to change him. And yeah, and maybe he is get- getting to the point where he's too old to, to still be going and yeah. know, chasing the greener grass. Who knows? I do think it's nice that there's a good relationship between her and and the kids. I think it's like Sarah and Aaron seem to be very like adoring mm-hmm. of her and they have to mm-hmm. seem to have a great relationship, which I think speaks to the work that they've all done on their relationship and, you know, on themselves. Like I'm glad that their family is somewhat intact and that they, you know, through all of this crazy trauma and hi- honestly his terrible actions, it, mm-hmm. you know, that they're somewhat of a tight knit family still. Honestly, I just really want to get to the bottom to what these women know about Yolanda Mm -hmm. Foster that we don't know. I like that this episode is really just becoming about Yolanda, but I genuinely just want to know what this group of girls know about the Hadids and Yolanda Foster that we do not know. Right. I know. (sighs) If she really was faking Lyme disease, how did... How did her kids have it too? I need someone with insider tea to be DMing us more information Mm -hmm. because I I don't believe she's faking it. I don't believe she's faking it either. I also think that Lyme disease is just one of these things that's like very – something that they don't really have a cure for. And so they don't – and they can't – Western doctors don't really help much with it. And so people who suffer from it, it just – it seems like, yeah, they have to get unconventional treatment and they – yeah. I think too the symptoms are very perplexing. You know, mm-hmm. and they're like, they're they've run the full gamut of of physical symptoms to mental symptoms. Like it's mm-hmm. just, I think it's a really complicated chronic illness. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, thank you for you know your time and your civil service being a part of the trial of David Foster. I, I can't wait to see what verdict you all render. Yes, what verdict our listeners render. You know, this was Chandler, the deep dive, the walkthrough I really needed of David Foster and the women and children he left for um, other women. And so thank you so much for leading us through it. So interesting. Really quick, Ben had to print this off at his office. And I do wonder if anyone had, had his, at his office saw the deep dive entitled David Foster is the worst. <laughs> <and> the 10 <laughs> pages of notes on it. Just like the 10 pages of pe- a people article, you know, excerpts about David Foster at uh, the Kind Bar Company where Ben was. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Okay, well, we need to Amazon you a printer, first of we all. We do. Second of all, Chandler, thank you so much for this deep dive. You guys, let us know your verdict on David Foster. We'll be back on Friday on Patreon. And we'll see you then. Bye. See you then. Bye. Love ya. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week live every Wednesday.